Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Well, hi. Pastor Dennis said I'm supposed to talk, so I should go ahead and do that. So uh, my name is Fitz. I'm the family ministry pastor here at Kingsburg Church. Um, and I want to take a minute to introduce you to my brother, Rob. Uh, not, not physically. He's just up there on the screen. Uh, but there you see him with his, um, with his wife um, there. And they've got three kids. This is their younger son, Mikey. Uh, they named him after me because they weren't sure I was ever going to get married and have kids. So that was uh, really awesome of them. Thank you, Rob. Um, and his, Mikey's wife, uh, Sierra. Now, my brother's lived in Florida for over 20 years now. Uh, and uh, before that, he lived in the Philadelphia area. He lived in New Hampshire, and then we grew up in Ohio. Um, and uh, a couple of years after he moved to Florida... I went for a visit. He'd only been there a couple of years, and I, I went down there for a visit. I don't know when it was exactly, but it was chilly for Florida, so it was probably a winter month, uh, which meant you know mid to upper 50s. And so we were getting ready for church on Sunday morning, and being from Ohio, I wore a short sleeve shirt and jeans. Uh, and my brother and my sister-in-law were, were bundling the kids up like they were going for a tubing run. <laughs> Like the, the winter coats, the toboggans, the mittens, like, like they, were, they look like the kid from a Christmas story, right? I can't put my arms down. Um, needless to say, I did not keep my feelings silent about how I felt about how thin my brother's blood had gotten in just a couple of short years. Uh, well, we went to church. We got to church. Pastor stands up and says, welcome to such and such church. So good to see so many of you here on this blustery Sunday morning. It was like 58 degrees outside. And he used a word that I thought only Winnie the Pooh used. But apparently Floridians use it for any day that is just below absolutely perfect in every way, shape, and form. And, and, and many of you might have sort of the same feelings towards winter. When you think about winter, it's not your favorite, uh, favorite season. If I were to do a poll right now, my guess is it would come in dead last as far as your favorite season is concerned. As a matter of fact, if you're joining us online, drop your favorite season into the chat. I want to take a look at that and see where winter uh, lines up. But we like spring uh, because it's all about it's all about new life and, and the world is getting warm and flowers are bursting forth. And we like summer because it's nice and warm outside. It's hot outside. There's lots to do outside. There's no school. We like fall because the kids go back to school. It's always a plus. Um, and then, uh, you know, we just like it because it's getting cooler. The leaves are changing colors. It's beautiful. And winter, eh, we just don't have a lot of use for it. In fact, recently they, they did a poll of uh, U.S. adults to find out what their uh, favorite and least favorite months were. Um, December, January, and February were a combined 56% being their least favorite months. So uh, we just don't like winter. You all don't like winter. And if we were to discuss why, some of you would channel your inner Winnie the Pooh. You would say because it's blustery or because it's cold 
or because it's really freaking cold. Or, um, and, and it makes sense, it makes sense, but there's another word that, that might not come to the forefront of our mind, but I think is perfect when we're describing winter, when, when we go days without seeing the sun, it gets dark early, the world is still in quiet, and that word is, is bleak, it's bleak. And, and I get it that that's exactly why some people, you might be one of them, don't like winter. It, it, it gets dark early, we don't see the sun for days, uh, falls brilliant colors, the reds, the oranges, the yellows turn into grays and browns and slushy. I don't know if that's a color, but you know what I mean. You know the color I mean when I say slushy, right? So we don't have a lot of use for winter. And maybe you're already feeling that way about winter. Here's the thing. We're still two weeks away for winter. Sorry about that. Anyway, uh, take a quick look at the chat to see what favorite seasons. Um, and it didn't work just like it didn't work in the last hour. So let's just say, oh, look, yeah, nobody likes winter. Okay, perfect. That worked out well. <laughs> uh, I love technology. Bleak. Uh, bleak. And, and bleak is not just how some of us might feel about the weather. Some of us feel that way about our, about our lives in general. We, we look at the circumstances of our lives, and it feels like there's just a, I don't know, a blanket of clouds over our life. And it just, it just feels bleak. Our relationships can feel bleak. Like there's not the connection that there was once and it feels bleak. Our work can feel bleak. We don't find the fulfillment in it anymore. We, we hear somebody say, find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And you're like, I'm calling shenanigans on that because I don't like working. The, the other circumstances in our life can feel bleak. The, the bills, the struggles at home, health issues, all those things can combine to add to the bleakness. Even outside influences can add to the weight of it all. Rarely do I scroll through Twitter and think, man, I feel lighter and better about life and the world in general. That never happens. But all this stuff combines, and when we look at our lives, it can feel bleak. And those who joined us for a candle in the night on Friday night at the Fort McKinley campus to remember their lost loved ones, they could probably attest to that, to that feeling. And that might be some of what Christina Rossetti had in mind when she wrote the poem, A Christmas Carol, later retitled in the bleak midwinter in 1872. Uh, Rossetti was a po poet who lived from 1830 to 1895, and while she led a somewhat accomplished life as a poet, she, viewed, uh, she, she experienced enough out of life that she might have viewed her circumstances as, as bleak. In her early years, she had to deal with uh, setbacks that included her father's failing health, uh, both physically and mentally, over a period of 11 years. Imagine being a kid, 10 years old, and having to watch your dad's health fail him daily over a decade of time. She also experienced a nervous breakdown along with bouts of depression and related illnesses. And as with any artist, she viewed the world through the lens of her own life. 
And it's perhaps through that lens that she penned in the bleak midwinter in 1872. And then in 1906, uh, a composer named Gustav Holtz uh, wrote the music to it. And it might not be the, the best known song to any of us today. Maybe if you saw the playlist that we were going to cover for this series and you went down the list, it's like, yeah, I like that one. Yeah, I know that one. You might have gotten to this one and went, I don't know that one. But as recently as 2008, in a poll uh, of worldwide choir masters and choral experts, this was the number one Christmas song, the number one Christmas carol. And it's made it into TV shows like Peaky Blinders and uh, uh, The Crown. And in this poem, in this song, Rossetti masterfully painted a picture of the bleakness of the world that Jesus entered 2,000 years ago. Now, when life feels bleak to us, we have a temptation. The temptation is for us to step out. Like, we're, we're on this journey, and life gets bleak, life gets hard, life gets difficult, and we have this temptation, I just need to step out of this life. That's a temptation we face. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily talking in its most extreme sense, although suicide is, is something uh, that we need to consider. Um, it, it, did you know that suicide is now the third leading cause of death for uh, individuals between the ages of 10 and 34 in the U.S.? That's a horrifying number. Uh, I used to uh, work at a church in Missouri, and sometime after I left that church, within a short period of time, I learned that three of my former students had taken their own life. Three of them said, I need to get out of this journey. I need to step out of my circumstances. And that was gut-wrenching for me to think that three of my dudes felt the weight of the world so heavily and saw so little hope that they just felt like they needed to step out. But it's not just the most extreme sense that we're talking about. For others of us, our stepping out might take the form of a bottle. You know, you have a, you have a drink with friends, you have a drink uh, with dinner, that's one thing, but then there's, then there's another level where you're, you're drinking to numb out, you're drinking to escape, you're, you're drinking to step out of your life and not feel what you're feeling. Maybe for you, it, it takes a different form that you wouldn't even put in the same category as alcohol. Any of you death scroll? Don't raise your hand, because I know you do it. Yeah, you get on Facebook, Twitter, whatever, uh, TikTok, and just for hours you're scrolling. And why do we do it? Are, are we bored? Is it an escape? Maybe there's some part of our life that, that, that we just don't like, so we need to feel something else outside of the quote-unquote real world. We don't want to deal with the reality of our circumstances and so we'll just kill some time on our phone. I mean, how bad are puppy videos, right? They're not bad. But what else is there? There's, there's porn, there's binge-watching shows on Netflix. Have you ever watched an entire season in a day? Don't raise your hand. Um, shopping excessively, sleeping excessively, eating your feelings. Man, I did that recently. I got some unwelcome news, 
And somebody had informed me that there were leftover Christmas cookies sitting around the office. And I'm going to tell you, they didn't stand a chance. And oftentimes, the hits just keep coming, don't they? Like, rarely is it, man, this, this one difficult thing happened, but the rest of the week, the rest of the month, the rest of the year has been just wonderful. Like, it's been roses and, and unicorns, and like birds are singing, and now we're just like frolicking through the wildflowers. I don't know how people frolic, so this is my frolicking. Um, that doesn't happen. Usually, it's something happens, and then, and then you take another shot and another hit, and the hits just keep on coming. Rossetti has a couple lines in there that just, that just uh, exemplify what I'm talking about. She wrote, snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow on snow. The hits just keep on coming. Life is hard, then it gets harder, then something else happens to make it harder still. The, the winter gets bleaker and bleaker still. And so we look for a reason to step out. And if we were to drill down deep, the reason for that, the reason we face that temptation is, is we, we have a level of dissatisfaction with our lives. That what we're attempting to do is to step out of our lives for just a few minutes, for a few hours, for a few days. We just need a break from the bleakness. And here's the thing. If that's you today, I'm not up here trying to make you feel guilty because we've all been there. This is a common theme running through all of humanity I remember a time at seminary when I was um, dealing with some personal setbacks and I was heading to uh, Greek class, which is the perfect remedy to bleakness. Um, it's not. Uh, anyway, and I called my professor in the hallway and I said, hey, uh, professor, I just can't today. I, I just need a break. And I explained what was going on. And he said, that's fine. You have an excused absence. And I went outside and sat in front of, of the fountain on campus. And some of you might be thinking, well, that's good for you. You're studying to be a pastor and you recognize you were going through a hard time. So you went and you spent some time in prayer and seeking the face of God. That's not what I was doing. I was just sitting there looking into the water completely numbing out. I had stepped out of my circumstances. And our prayers can often reflect this desire to step out of our bleak circumstances. We pray that God would remove whatever it is that is causing the bleakness in our life, remove the physical issues, remove the relational issues, the work issues. And we look in scripture and we see things uh, where Jesus says, when you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. That sounds promising. Or on another occasion, he said, whatever you pray and ask for, believe that you will receive it and will be so for you. So it appears that we have the ultimate step out through prayer. Something negative happens, something turns our world bleak, we pray about it, and we're delivered. Simple as that. A plus B equals C. Perfect. 
the problem is, is that we can't take one or two verses out of scripture and craft an entire theology around those one or two verses. We have to view those verses through the entirety of scripture. And when we do that, as simple as it might seem, and pray as we might, the reality is, is that the bleakness might not go away. Uh, Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now, Bible scholars don't know what exactly it was that Paul described as his thorn in the flesh, but the thing that we need to take away from this chapter is that Paul prayed time and time and time again that this thorn be taken out of his flesh, that this bleakness be removed from his life, and God said no. God said no. God did not make a way for Paul to step out of the bleakness that he was experiencing. And if you're still not convinced, I'll play the Jesus card because that trumps everything. Just a few minutes before Jesus was about to be arrested, Jesus prayed three times, the same number of times Paul prayed, three times. He prayed to God the Father, if there's any other way to do this, any other way to redeem all of humankind, let's do that. Because crucifixion sounds terrible. I don't want to do that. And God the Father said, no. The father said, no, God didn't save him from his pain. God didn't save him from his bleakness. This bleakness in Jesus's life was something that Jesus had to walk through. There would be no stepping out of it for him. Now, if I were to be completely honest, going back to the weather conversation, there is something that I do love about the bleak midwinter. I actually love it when snow has fallen and there's a, there's a blanket of clouds overhead and going, going for a walk outside. Not a long walk, because it is really freaking cold. But I love the hush. When you take a walk and every step is muffled by the sheer weight of it all, and it's quiet, as opposed to the normal hecticity of my life. And in that moment, I can, if I let myself, I don't always do a good job of this, but if I let myself, I can experience a joy that is not dependent on the sunshine, that is not dependent on blue skies and flowers. And I can sense God moving close in the midst of that bleakness. Friends, you're walking through whatever bleakness has come into your life. But the good news of Jesus Christ is not that you can step out of whatever you're experiencing. The good news is that you don't have to walk through it alone. And that's the good news of the song that Rossetti wrote. She didn't make apologies for the bleakness of the world that, that Jesus entered. She also never suggested that the bleakness would go away when he was born. She didn't suggest that stepping out of the bleakness was an option either. 
Now, instead of us stepping out of our circumstances, Jesus steps in. It should have been a louder amen, but we're getting there. In his paraphrase on the book of John, Eugene Peterson writes this about Jesus. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. God knew that the world was bleak. God knew that it would be hard for you and me to press on and to resist the urge to step out of our circumstances. But rather than giving us an escape plan, God does something better. God sends Jesus to walk our journey with us. God sends Jesus to experience the bleak with us. God sends Jesus to be Emmanuel, God with us. In my years of ministry, I've had the opportunity to walk with folks through difficult circumstances. I've visited people in the hospital and in hospice and other difficult times. One of the scripture verses that I lean on heavily, David actually wrote uh, many, many years before Jesus was born. In the 23rd Psalm, he writes, even when I walk through the darkest valley or the bleakest valley, I fear no danger because you are with me. We don't not fear because we are somehow plucked out of our dark valley. We don't not fear because we have somehow stepped out of the bleakness of our lives. We don't fear because Jesus walks with us. I heard a speaker at a conference years ago. Uh, uh, it was a conference for uh, pastors. And he told the story of a time that he was traveling to speak. And he, he tra traveled all over the place to speak at various places, liked to take his family with him. And this particular trip, he was going uh, to Scotland and um, he was talking to his, his sons, he only had sons, he was talking to his sons uh, about going to Scotland and how they were going to experience the history there and they were going to get to see castles and swords because what little boy doesn't like castles and swords? And he noticed that his three-year-old was looking kind of sullen, kind of withdrawn. He thought that was weird. And he looks at his son and he says, are you excited to go to Scotland? No. But you're going to get to see castles and swords. No. I'll let you sit by the window and you can see the world go by. You'll get to see as we, as we go over the ocean. No. There's a button you can push, and they'll bring you as much juice as you want. And it, you'll have your own TV and your own set of headphones. You can watch whatever you want. No. So finally, the speaker got down on his knees and looked at his son in the eye and says, Buddy, why don't you want to go to Scotland? And son says, I don't want to be alone. He thought he was going by himself. <laughs> going to have to navigate flight and connecting flights. <laughs> the luggage thing. <laughs> and the speaker looked at his son and said, hey, buddy, who am I? He says, 
You're my dad. So that's right. And who are you? He says, I'm your son. He says, that's right. And buddy, I'm going with you. And his entire countenance changed. And he said, will you hold my hand in the airport? He says, of course. Will you sit by me on the plane? He says, of course I will. And he looked at his son and said, fear not. Your daddy's going with you. Fear not. Your daddy's with you. Friends, fear not. Jesus is with you. He wants to step into your circumstances with you. The one who created it all wants to step into your circumstances. The one who saw the bleakness of the world and sees the bleakness of your life wants to step into that and walk that path with you. The one who died and rose again, who's, who holds resurrection in his hands, wants to step into whatever it is in your life that is weighing you down and hold your hand and sit by you and be whatever it is that you need to face whatever it is that you are facing. Fear not. Fear not. Jesus is with you. And that's the good news of Jesus Christ at Christmas time. And when we come to that reality, we come to the reality that the God of the entire universe has stepped into the bleakness of our lives so that we don't have to deal with it alone. There really is only one response. Rossetti writes this. Every uh, Christmas time, we, we wrestle with what we're going to give the loved ones in our lives <laughs> because we know how much they, they mean to us and how, how much they, they bring to us in our lives. And we just want to give them something that, that means at least a portion of what they mean to us. 
the God of the universe has looked at the bleakness of our lives, has looked at the bleakness of your life and says, I don't want them to face that alone. And so has stepped in to your journey with you. Says, I wanna walk that journey with you so you don't have to deal with that bleakness alone. What gift could we possibly give that God? There really is only one answer, and that is our hearts, that is our lives, that is everything that we have and everything that we are. And so I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Some of you have been coming for a while, some of you may be here for your first time, but you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never said, Jesus, I want you to have my heart. Christmas is the perfect time to do that. But others of you have, others of you have drifted, others of you have, have resorted to trying to step out of your circumstances instead of inviting Jesus to step into your circumstances. And so maybe this invitation is for you just to say yes again. So I wanna invite you, we're gonna have some folks down front um, who are willing to pray with you. If you want to come forward and receive prayer from someone, that's great. If you want to just pray in your seat, that's great too. If you're joining us online and you want to say yes to Jesus, recommit your life to Jesus, just drop a note in the chat so we can have someone follow up with you. Jesus wants to walk your journey with you. Let's give him our hearts today. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.